It never fails. Right around this time of year, you get some uneasy announcements. Every year. And maybe it's because they happen 12 months of the year or can happen 12 months of the year. But we just kind of notice them around now because it's, oh, it's right before the holidays. But we've got something pretty serious taking place in London, Ontario. And you heard a couple of individuals comment on it on the Craig Needles show. Peter Franciscanos, Irene Matheson. And we're going to get some more comment in a moment when the Prime Minister speaks on Sunday. I'm always wary of anything that happens on a Sunday or on a Friday night. Late Friday, look what happened. Late Friday, an announcement comes through that funding for midwives is being cancelled by the Ontario government. Or altered, let's say. And so you look at that, and and it's late Friday. It kind of flies by. You put your negative announcements out on late Friday afternoons or on Sundays. And yesterday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau spoke in an interview and talked about looking for a way out of the multi-billion dollar deal with Saudi Arabia that very much impacts London, Ontario. And we are going to get some insight into that from Jerry McCartney in a moment because he breaks this down, first of all, so that we can see just how big this is in the landscape. I know that we have been hearing things about general dynamics for a long, long time, but typically whatever happens at the government level doesn't seem to happen at the general dynamics level. And that's been good. They keep contracts and they make incredible products. And these are used around the world. I mean, you hear soldiers who say, hey, when we know we're getting into that kind of vehicle, we're feeling safe, knowing that it's made in London, Ontario. We've heard soldiers say that. That's what you want. It's what you want for your Canadian military. But then we've got something that becomes very political. The death of a journalist, and all of a sudden, the impact on appearance And if there's one thing that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is going to go down for and going to go down as, I'm not referring to the fact he's going down, but going to go down as when we look back at however long he is Prime Minister, it is being concerned about the way things appear. And being concerned about the way things appear, not just within the country so that you can get reelected, but outside the country. And there are those who have said they don't believe he's doing much for international relations. In fact, they're not as good as they used to be, according to a lot of individuals who watch that stuff closely. So we're going to talk about the Saudi Arabia deal, the size of it, and the impact that it has, and what all of this could mean. Is it actual rhetoric? Is it just Prime Minister Justin Trudeau standing up and saying things? I don't know. I'm not sure. That's why we're going to go to somebody who knows a whole lot more. Also on the show today... Food waste. How much food do you throw away? We live in a pretty fortunate world that you can go into your refrigerator and say, ah, haven't eaten this. Look, it's been four days, this whole lasagna. Guess we better throw it out. If you look at the statistics on food waste in Canada, they are cringeworthy. It's awful to see how much we just toss away. Oh, didn't get to those leftovers. Kept making new stuff. Got to throw the leftovers away. Only last in the fridge three to four days. You know how lucky we are to say things like that? Well, we do have to do a better job. And we would help ourselves maybe at the grocery store if we did. I don't know. 
if we had less food waste, and we're going to look at how to reduce it in about about a half hour from now, let's say. We are also going to look at the stories that certainly are making us turn our heads and wonder. One, of course, being what's happening with the OPP commissioner position, with the friend of the Ford family, with allegations that people were told to find Ron Taverner a job, and then he rises into a job that's worth $275,000 a year, commanding one of the largest police forces, not just in Canada, but in the continent. So what's happening there? Well, we've seen that Ron Taverner has rescinded his resignation, that he, he's going to at least keep that position he had. We have an investigation going on, and now we wait to see what happened. Because remember, they lowered the qualification standards. They did all kinds of stuff. So we'll check in on that. We'll look at the potential for a strike at Ontario Power Generation, because that's not something that we want in December. You know, this is not something that comes up very often. So what's happening now? And we'll do that just after 2 o'clock. And then we want to look at animals in this area, because going into effect tomorrow in Germany, You're not going to be able to adopt a dog, a cat, a guinea pig, anything going for a period of time. And it starts tomorrow. There is an adoption freeze. Well, why would they do that in Germany? Well, it's because at this time of year, people think, you know what grandma really needs? Grandma really needs a dog. And you get a dog for grandma for Christmas, and grandma really didn't want a dog at all. And then she has to give it away. Or you give someone an animal and they think, I didn't want this. And we have animals being abandoned around the world because of this. So Germany's decision has been, let's not allow the adoption of animals. Forget it. None. Starting tomorrow. Don't call them Grinches. They're actually looking out for the welfare of the animals because they don't want them back in the system, in circulation, whatever it happens to be. So we'll talk about what's happening here in London and what you should do if you are looking to give a pet as a gift. And then I want to take that and go in a completely different direction. Everybody's got a pet that they loved. Remember your first pet? Think back about your first pet right now. Dog, cat, bunny, whatever it was. Wouldn't you like to have that pet? Don't you wish that pets' lifespans were a little longer than, say, 12, 13 years for a dog, if, if you're really lucky, 15 years, 16 years for a cat. I don't know about guinea pigs. I don't think they last that long. Bunnies, nah, they're probably in the guinea pig category. But wouldn't you want to have that pet as long as you could? Well, in China, they're really giving you that opportunity. Here's the idea. You have that pet, and when the pet gets sick and passes away, you have a replacement pet. What, like a new dog? No, like the same dog, you clone your pet for the low, low price of just over $73,000 Canadian. They will clone your pet so that when the first one dies, right back in. Wait a minute. This is kind of like Pet Cemetery. This is kind of like Church the Cat. Yeah, just go bury Church in the Pet Cemetery. Oh, look, Church is back. But Church isn't quite the same as as he used to be, is he? He's a little more gnarly. Yeah, and that spawned a whole lot of crazy stuff. Isn't that what we're headed for? Or you look at, what was the Michael Keaton movie? Multiplicity? 
where he kept cloning himself and everyone was just a little bit dumber? It's got to be something like that. We can't mess with with living creatures and hope that things turn out fine. Can we? No way. So later on the show, we'll talk about your favorite pet and whether or not you would clone them to just keep on having them. Oh, that JoJo was a good dog. Good thing we have JoJo number two. Hey, kids, time for JoJo number seven. Hey, don't worry. If JoJo number seven dies, we've got JoJo number eight waiting in a Petri dish. I'm not so sure that we're on the right track to anything when we talk about stuff like that. Lots to talk about today. London Live is brought to you by Winmar, your restoration specialist. If you're doing any renovations this winter, maybe in the next couple of weeks, you've said, hey, I got a little time off. Look at the way that Christmas and Boxing Day fall this year. It's kind of perfect. Some people have taken off this week. And then if you can just nab Monday for Christmas Eve, all of a sudden you don't have to go back to work until Thursday. Or if you take next week, you can kind of hobnob that into most of the week after. Just works out. And you know what happens when we have a week and two weeks off in the winter, right? We get a little stir crazy. So what should we do? Renovations. Well, don't just do them yourself. Winmar handles that kind of stuff too. Let's take a break and we will come back with Jerry McCartney in just a moment and look at what we take from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, the interview that he did yesterday on a Sunday, and what this means for general dynamics and workers and the offshoots of general dynamics in this area. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau held an interview yesterday, answered some questions, talked about looking for a way out of the deal with Saudi Arabia. Now, Alan has sent a really interesting email. You can email anytime, mike at 980cfpl.ca. I want to read that even before we get into our next interview. It says, hi, Mike, let's take the politics out of this. It doesn't matter who was in power when the contract was signed. Shame on Justin Trudeau to even suggest the liberals wouldn't have agreed to this contract when it was awarded. Saudi hasn't changed their ways since long before this contract. Both very valid points. Let's just put this in a business perspective. Anyone that believes this won't happen is foolish. General Dynamics will close this plant. All the suppliers will close that supply us. Tens of thousands of jobs in Canada. These vehicles will move across the border and continue to be built in the United States. Don't doubt this for a minute. It won't take long to load the trucks and move the vehicles. This is just another bad decision by the Liberals and their lack of experience dealing with very important issues in Canada. And then he lists oil transportation in Alberta at $11 a barrel. Won't be long till the American companies out there pull out and go home as well. Remember one very important thing. We are a country with a population of 35 million. We don't have the ability to put any economic pressure on the superpowers of the world. Justin Trudeau might believe he's doing the right thing. Problem is, he's hurting the same people that live in this great country and built this great country, and he better start supporting them rather than ignoring them. See what I mean? A lot of excellent points from Alan. Alan, thank you so much for sending that along. Let's turn to the London Chamber of Commerce, because we'll no doubt hit on a few of the things that Alan highlighted. The idea that we've got more than just jobs at General Dynamics, but let's face it, we don't want to lose those jobs. So joining us right now is the CEO of the London Chamber of Commerce, Jerry McCartney. Jerry, announcements made on Sundays, I always find they're usually done because the person talking doesn't want people paying attention. Or if you're doing an interview on Sunday, but when the Prime Minister's talking about contracts that do impact this area in this way, and he was, Jerry, it's time to pay attention. 
certainly are, and it's uh, distressing to say the least, uh, not only for our economy locally, but for the 1,800, 2,000 workers at the uh, GDLS plant here in London has to be very unsettling because this roller coaster ride that they've been on for literally two years uh, is very distressing, and it's not good for them. It's certainly not good for our economy, and I think worse still, it's not good for our reputation as a country of, of trusted traders. We, we built our reputation as a nation on trading with other countries and, and honoring our contracts. I, this, is, to me, is the wrong approach. I think there are other solutions that the uh, the prime minister and his government could undertake, uh, as other countries have done. Uh, and they're, I think, a lot more strategic and a lot more meaningful than just simply canceling a contract. Jerry, while we're on that topic, I mean, Canadians, when Canadians travel, are considered very polite people, and we have a great reputation internationally. You mentioned as a country that is a trading partner, we've had a tremendous reputation. Under the Trudeau government, have we seen that change? Well, I I don't think so, but there are some ironies. I mean, first of all, we spent, what was it, two and a half years trying to renegotiate NAFTA and end up with this uh, USMCA deal with the United States and Mexico. If you care to look up Amnesty International's top 10 worst offenders on the human rights scale, you'd find the U.S. and Mexico there. So, So here we are trading with them, Turkey, Venezuela, China, Russia, Yemen. The list goes on and on. These are countries that are all on the worst offenders list for human rights violations, and yet we seem to have no difficulty trading with them. Billions of dollars worth of trade. Yeah, exactly. What is it then with Saudi Arabia? Is this is this simply one of those, here's how it looks to the Canadian public, so we better be careful? I, I guess so. I can't answer for the government, but it seems to me they've got their, their priorities mixed. On the one hand, the contract with the Saudis was very specific that these pieces of equipment, these weapons, can never be used against their own people. Well, they haven't been. And there's no indication that they have or ever will be. And But we confuse this, this uh, murder or assassination of Kasogi, uh, Kasogi. and I, I get it. That's a violent thing. We No one wishes that to happen on anyone. But it's totally unrelated to this contract. And yet they seem to want to mix it in uh, in the same pot. And I don't think that's fair uh, or right. Uh, if you want to teach the Saudis a lesson, then do so diplomatically. There are a number of diff- different diplomatic solutions you could, you could deliver. Uh, you could do as other G8 or NATO countries are doing and saying, look, we're not going to uh, ship any future product to you. So they suspended future trade with them, not canceled, suspended future trade. We could also say to, to GDLS, look, go ahead and ship partial shipments, and we'll monitor them over time, and that if during the course of that time uh, there are additional offenses or other offenses or they break the contract in some way, fine, then we'll cancel the whole contract, but at least allow it to happen. Uh, I think trying to teach the Saudis a lesson uh, by using this mechanism is, is woefully uh, incorrect because we both know that tomorrow – China or Russia would fill that order in a heartbeat. So now they've got the same weapons, uh, same pieces of equipment, and, and what's changed in terms of their human rights violation? Nothing. So what, what have we taught them? All we've done is created a catastrophic hole uh, in our economy and punished London for those efforts. 
We're talking with Jerry McCartney, CEO of the London Chamber of Commerce. Jerry, we have just spent a lot of time watching what's been happening in Oshawa with GM and all of the unrest there, all of the uncertainty there, all of the feelings there. How would London compare if if we entered into a situation that wound up being similar because we lost a contract like this? Well, good point. And and if you took the direct impact, yes, there's about 1,800 people involved at GDLS. But importantly, there's 250 local suppliers, and I say local, that's in our region, that supply uh, parts and pieces for that contract. There's 500 suppliers across the country. Uh, They employ some 13,500 people. So direct or indirect, you're impacting a lot of folks here. In fact, I would argue it's far greater than the the, uh, General Motors issue in, in Oshawa. That's bad enough. This could be worse. Really? Worse? Well, if you if you stretch it out and look at all the the various players that are involved and and uh, the whole supply chain, it's actually larger. Uh, and in terms of dollar volume, it's absolutely larger. We're talking fourteen billion dollars. That's a lot of money that disappears out of our economy, and certainly our trade balance would be out of whack. So I, I worry. More moreover, I worry that. While the Prime Minister says he's concerned about the billion or so dollars that it would cost to extricate ourselves from this contract, I think the worst cost is our reputation as trusted traders around the planet. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's something that if once it's, it's one of those things, a reputation about anything, once it's lost, that's hard to rebuild. Yeah, and I've heard the argument, oh yeah, but this is military. Well, okay, what about food that feeds the military or clothing that you put on the backs of the military? You, you could take this exponentially anywhere you want. Um, the fact is, when you trade with countries that have human rights violations, you either have this principle or you don't. But I don't think you can apply it you know, sort of when you want or when it's convenient. It's either universal or it's not. And I think the way, and we've said this before, the way to teach countries how to improve their record is by trading with them, because then they adopt your practices. They understand that there's a culture. They understand that there's a rule of law. And over time, they change. Yeah, as opposed to saying, no, we'll we'll not do it, which is kind of the, I guess, the, the human nature way of doing things. No, this, we'll shut the door to you until you learn. It sounds like that's not necessarily what you're thinking. No. And, and they'll learn nothing because that order will be filled the very next day by some other country. And, and he, one other thing, I don't think we need to give Donald Trump any help in repatriating countries to move back to the U.S. He's doing quite fine on his own, thank you very much. This would give him a, a leg up. This would be an easy victory for GDLS to say, you know what, we can't get this contract. We can't trust our own government to honor these contracts. What are we doing here? Wow. Well, you've left us with a lot to think about and a lot to pay attention to. Jerry, thanks so much for the time today. You're most welcome. Thanks, Mike. Jerry McCartney, CEO of the London Chamber of Commerce. So, he's really right on a lot of things here. If Canada were to stop a contract, it's not like Saudi Arabia would be taught a lesson. You know, if your child is going to the pantry and grabbing lollipops because they are there, and you want to say to them, you know, that's not a good thing to do, then you shouldn't put lollipops in a drawer right beside the pantry that they can access. You know, that's, that's you want to make sure they learn a lesson? 
the lollipops have to go away. There has to be some kind of control over this. You don't just say, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll just go to the drawer right next to them. I know that you keep them in the other drawer. What are you talking about? That's not teaching them anything. This world and human beings run on consequences. And if you're not going to get consequences out of this, what are you doing? Is this just Prime Minister Justin Trudeau posturing? Is it him just saying things so that people who say, oh, that's Saudi Arabia. Oh, look at the things that they're doing there. Human rights, human rights. Yeah, but Jerry pointed it out. Venezuela, you want to look at their human rights record? There's a lot to look at. China, you want to look at theirs? The United States. Doesn't take long. I mean, we can talk about a story of a little girl from Guatemala dying because forms that her parents were made to fill out were not available in any other language but English. And they checked the box for healthy when she was ill. You know, like, who are you trying to teach a lesson and what lesson are you trying to teach them? We'll hopefully have time to get into this again. If you have any reaction, 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. Let's break for news with Jacqueline LaBelle. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. 35% of London's waste is what? What do you think? Garbage. No. More specifically, how about food waste? How about if you heard we could reduce that by as much as 30%? We're going to get to that in just a moment. But, Ned, thank you for hanging on at 643-2222. You wanted to make a comment about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and some of the things that he is saying about contracts with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Thanks, Mike, for taking my call. Yeah, I'll tell you, this Mr. McCartney and McCarty, who was speaking earlier, I think he was giving a lot of reasons, but what it comes down to this is this. It's about money. It's about the profits. They don't want to break the, conf- the, the contracts because it's all about corporate profits. Because if it was about the ethics of it, you wouldn't sell Saudi Arabia a, a screw. Because what they did with this Khashoggi guy, like it or wrong, we're talking about a journalist being murdered. You talk, forget it, murder in itself is bad, but also freedom of the press. This guy was a journalist writing uh, questionable things about the uh, Saudi regime. Mm-hmm. So I think Canada should have, out of just simple uh, uh, appropriate uh, foreign policies, they should have cut off all aid to uh, all deals with uh, Saudi Arabia. But the problem is, and one of the things that Jerry brought up, is that we deal with countries all the time that have really bad things from a human rights perspective, and we still deal with them. So, you know, why make a big deal out of this? Are you not in favor of, of that? Well, you know, this is the, but this is the thing. This just happened now. You have to send out a, 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 a signal. You have to send out a message that what Saudi Arabia did was wrong. If it is as the press is telling us that this guy, MSN, this uh, uh, mayor of Saudi Arabia, ordered the killing, if that was wrong, you have to send her a message now. Well, because of what they did now, because this guy was was killed, plus there's other things that Saudi Arabia does, this war in Yemen and, and everything else that goes with it, we're not going to sell you another uh, lap or whatever else that Canada sells to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's situational, and it's immediate, and you have to send her a message. Now, as far as all these other countries, well... We can start talking a lot about a lot of countries that, that uh, p- perform badly in, in terms of their own citizens, as well as the um, uh, in relation to other countries. But this is happening right now, and this is what you got to deal with. But why are we picking this fight when we stand to lose more than we stand to gain, don't well, we? Well, it's ethics, 
though. And if, if it's all about, okay, let's go back to it. It's about the money. We make too much money selling Saudi Arabia, so we're going to forget about it. So let's not even bring it up. The other thing I just want to mention before you, before you end the call, Mike, is I think this is also a diversion because we got to turn the page from this terrible thing that Canada went through last week in British Columbia, arresting the, the daughter of the founder of that the huge Chinese telecommunication. Huawei, yeah. That was a, that was a terrible uh, decision on the part of the Canadians, doing the bidding of the Americans, and that has no good ending to it. And, well, we've got to deal, uh, we're dealing with this front page. Well, let's turn the page. Let's bring something else up. I think that's another issue. You know what, Ned? I think that's a really valid theory. And thanks so much for bringing it to us. Okay. Take care. 519-643-2222. Email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. Yeah, no, that's it's it's about distraction anymore. It is. And this is why when you look at an interview on a Sunday, this has plans to it. When you make an announcement late Friday, there are plans behind it. It's all control the message. But don't you have to add up the ledger and see what we would stand to lose as a country? I don't know if that's happening here. This is more about optics, isn't it? This is more about, and I love Ned's theory, distraction. Oh, forget about what's going on there. Forget about what happened there. That seems to be not working out very well. Well, let's focus in on this. It's a great theory. Next up, we're going to focus in on food waste and what we can do to reduce it. If you could reduce the amount of stuff going to the landfill in London, Ontario by 30% by doing some pretty simple things, would you do it? We'd prolong the life of our landfill. We know that that has a a deadline to it pretty soon. So let's examine that. We're going to with Dr. Paul Vanderwerf. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We are pretty lucky if we can take that container of leftovers and throw it in the garbage. And we do that a lot. I mean, we don't have a green bin program yet in London. People do have composters. But if we could reduce our household waste by 30%, and it was pretty easy, would you not want to know about it? Would you not want to at least see the instruction booklet to that? Wait a minute. I could do that? That would be making a big difference. If you don't care about making a difference, well, we can't twist your arm. But if you do, then here's a little something that acts like an instruction booklet and could help us prolonging the life of our landfill and certainly making things less onerous on anybody who collects that waste. Joining us right now is Dr. Paul Vanderwerf, and we are talking household waste. Dr. Vanderwerf, thanks so much for being here. Hey, great to be here, Mike. Great so to be here. let's look at those numbers again, because I wanted—I just want to make sure I'm saying this right. If if I'm saying 35% of City of London waste consists of food waste, am I am I right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, and um, in some of the research that uh, we've done, when we're collecting uh, bags of uh, garbage, and we uh, physically go through that and determine. Uh, uh, what all the waste types are, food waste comes out at about thirty-five, uh, about thirty-five percent. So, so pretty considerable number if you think about it. And about two-thirds of that um, food waste is what I would call avoidable food waste. So that's stuff that could have been eaten at one time, as opposed to unavoidable food waste, which are things like eggshells and coffee grounds and so on. So, you know, some stuff we don't eat, but a lot of stuff. It's just kind of stuff that's kind of crossed the goal line, so to speak, and uh, we've decided that it's uh, a waste and we put it in our garbage. Okay, and there is a potential to reduce that food waste by as much as how much? 
Well, by as much as 100%, I, I suppose, if we were really disciplined about it. But as part of my uh, PhD research, um, I developed uh, something called an intervention, which is kind of academic speak for a, a bit of a solution where I was able to, by just giving households a very simple kit of information, basically help them to reduce their food waste by 30% over time one versus uh, versus time two compared to control households that uh, didn't get the same sort of information package. And so what I'd really done sort of initially, even before all of that, was I surveyed City of London households and I got about 1,300 responses from across the city and people let me know how much food they thought they threw out, why they threw it out, and, and, and gave me some clues in terms of their behaviors, in terms of why it was that they threw out. And people were really saying, you know, um, you know, we, we, we kind of throw out food because we kind of sort of forget about it a little bit or we're not paying so much attention uh, to it or we bought too much. And I think that was a very, very common response. On the other hand, they also said, you know, what a key motivator would be for us would be saving money. So this, you know, this intervention, which I called reduce food waste, save money, was really about very simple things. So one, you know, 35% of your waste going to landfill is food waste. And I think most people want to reduce it. And when we ask them in the survey, do you intend to throw out food waste? People very strongly, of course, say no, they don't. But when you see what they do, they do. So reduce food waste, save money. Very simple kind of messaging, similar in some ways to home energy conservation. You know, if you do these three or four things, then you're going to be able to save this much energy and then save save this much money as well. So my intervention was really pivoted on just reminding people that, hey, this is a bit of a pocketbook issue. Everybody reaches into their wallet and uh, and, and, and and buys food. And, you know, the average London household is throwing out about $600 per year of, of, of food. And just sort of reminding people that, hey, there's some pretty simple things you can do to reduce that. We're talking with Dr. Paul Vanderwerf, and we're going to talk exactly about that, how we can reduce the amount of food we're throwing away. And immediately I was thinking, Dr. Vanderwerf, that, yeah, I, I, would, I would like to help, and I'm, I'm putting it into a landfill perspective. You just dropped it into our pockets. Yeah, all that food we bought in the first place, and that's racking up $600 a year? Well, and if we look at it from the City of London perspective, uh, that works out to 75 to $100 million of sort of lost value across the city. And that's just food thrown out by households. So that doesn't include anything going on at grocery stores. It doesn't include anything going on at restaurants. 75 to $100 million per year, or about $2 million per week. And just as a, a useful counterpoint, if you sort of looked at what was going on at the uh, London uh, London Food Bank, for instance, which helps folks that are food insecure, they're working very hard to distribute about $5 million worth of food annually. So on the one hand, those of us that are sort of wealthy enough throw out $2 million a week or about $100 million per year in the food banks working very hard to help folks that are food insecure um, um, you know, distribute about $5 million worth of, worth of food annually. And again, a very important not to conflate the food that I don't throw out or the food we don't throw out with feeding the food insecure. But I like to think if we had a few more dollars in our pocket because we were a bit smarter about uh, things or some more things we can do with our families. And there's also some more things we can do with that money in terms of helping 
folks that are food insecure. So really, I mean, that sort of that sort of counterpoint of how much we throw away versus how much we distribute to folks that are food insecure really just sort of it's a bit of a pathway sort of opened up a bit of a door it certainly was a bit of an aha moment for me to sort of say hey you know what we have the resources within our community to help everybody um, um, very effectively no doubt especially when we're talking numbers like that we're talking with dr paul vanderwerf okay dr vanderwerf let's start to break it down what can we do to reduce that amount of food waste in our own homes well fortunately this is not very complicated stuff right i mean and and uh it's 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 about so if, if we looked at you know why food was thrown out it's a bit of a it's food management efficiencies you know so we don't think about what it is that we're doing and so to really break it down in my in my intervention uh, my my reduce food waste save money it was really very basic plan your meals for the week all right and many of us don't it's just sort of like what are we going to go eat and 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 then you know make a grocery list and stick to it again very simple kind of deceptively simple i think people and i've done it myself okay i guess i got to go to the grocery store i guess i'm just going to drive around and um, you know my cart sort of pushed around kind of get what i think i need or gee i feel like i want to eat more vegetables so let's buy lots of those more than than you know what i could actually humanly eat so very basic things like that and then trying to understand you know well no i've spent all this money on this food and I'm going to want to store it somewhere some basic information on how to how to store food and put food in the proper place so that you know, because we're always in a bit of a biological race and I know that may sound like an odd thing to say but I mean you know we have refrigerators we have preservatives we have all those sorts of things to um, you know lengthen the the life of, uh, of, of, of food because we're in a bit of a race with the bacteria and the fungi the stuff that actually is in landfill that breaks the food down in landfill or at a compost facility or, or whatever and so we really want to make sure that once we bought that food that we put it in its proper in its proper place and it's it's sealed and it's if it's supposed to be in the fridge it's there if it's not it's it's not there and then it really comes down to and we don't all need to be Gordon Ramsay and super fancy uh, fancy cookers but at least have some kind of sense of what it is that we need to do with food in terms of its preparation and you know if you don't like leftovers I think it's really pretty critical to figure out how much it is that you actually need to produce at any one any one time and if you don't know how to do that or you don't mind leftovers at least have a bit of a plan to uh you know to deal with those so all of these were encapsulated into a you know a fridge magnet because let's face it who doesn't want another fridge magnet but <laughs> also really focused on a, I, I developed a website that's still up called foodwaste.ca and really to drive people to this uh, website so that you know here's the basic things that you should do Here's a little bit more information on this website, and basically I used it to curate some different apps that were already widely available. And just very simply remind people what it is you know that they need to do, and it's not you know it's not uh, it's not super complicated, and it shouldn't have to be complicated. It's really just reminding people how to be a little bit more efficient in in such a fundamental uh, sort of life activity, and that's the purchase, storage, preparation, and of course eating of food uh, to make sure that we're we're maximizing this very sort of precious resource. And you know, I mean, we talked a lot about the money piece, which is what I used as a driver because I thought it was. I think it's a bit more overarching, and I think more people respond to that even than the environmental piece. But earlier on, and, and as you're introducing this uh, this segment, you talked about the environmental piece, and 75% of the environmental impact of 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 the food that we eat happens from the time the farmer plants our seed to the time it lands on our lands on our plate. So you know, trying to 
you know, when we throw that out, we lose all that. And even if we put it into a green bin, at that point, we're only paying playing with 25% of the remaining environmental impact. Of course, it's better to put it in a green bin than it is to put it in a landfill. But if you recognize everything that's sort of lost, lost before all of that, uh, it, it really starts to bring things into a much sort of starker picture. Ultimately, then, it's better to, and it sounds like you said, and you've made no secret about this, it's pretty simple stuff, but we're talking about saving 600 bucks a year, saving 75 to $100 million as a city. We have to be able to look at this and say, yeah, it's simple. Okay, so how do we do it? But it's obviously better just to eat what we buy. That's, that's the right. ultimate goal. Well, eat what you buy, but also buy what you need. Right. I mean, if you don't, you know, I mean, I know, I, you know, I mean, so we all want to eat healthier. So, uh, you know, so we, you know, might go on a big, you know, vegetable buying binge because we think that's going to make us healthy. But you actually have to eat the fruit and vegetables to kind of get that health <laughs> benefit out of it. And, and in many cases, we don't. Or some people are very concerned about things like best before dates. And we should be with, with some of that. But I mean, a little bit, you know, you know, like to provide some more education about about that to help people help people along with that there's other people that you know we would call in academia good providers and and those are people who just like to naturally have extra food on on hand just in case somebody shows up or you know when you go to the meal there's like enough there for five servings for for everybody and it's all it's all pretty awesome but those sorts of those sorts of trades tend to tend to lead to sort of greater food waste uh, greater food waste production and really sort of breaks down like like most things in in or many things in life some very simple tips or simple pieces of information to a um, you know remind people you know so I think the six hundred dollars a year the hundred million a year the you know, if you do these five things, you can reduce it by 30%. Quite frankly, you can reduce it by a lot more. It's just pretty, pretty simple, uh, simple tips. It's not very complicated to do this. And even if we start thinking about all of this in the context of a green bin, which I think is you know, fantastic, and I've you know made my professional uh, living dealing with uh, those types of uh, those types of programs, but it's not unusual for municipalities with green bin programs to actually throw out more overall food waste because now all of a sudden and you have this, well, now i got a green bin, so now I don't have to feel guilty about throwing that thing out. And so they actually end up throwing out a bit more. And even in the green bin sometimes, or generally, more than 50% of what's in there is, again, this avoidable, this, this avoidable food waste. So I think we have a great opportunity in London to take some, some learnings from this and think to ourselves a little bit about the first R of the three R's, which is reduce and really figure out a way, you know, if we kind of get to a point at some point where we have a green bin, where we have a smarter green bin, where we really consider that part and really only put into that green bin uh, what, you know, what absolutely needs to go in there. Outstanding stuff. Really appreciate the conversation today, Dr. Vanderwerf, and congratulations on your work. Thanks very much, Mike. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That is Dr. Paul Vanderwer. It's simple stuff, so why aren't we doing it? You know, because you're an adult, you get to make the choices, right? Remember when your parents used to say to you, hey, eat those peas. Make sure you finish those peas. We do that. We walk around the grocery store and say, you know what? This week I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to buy some kale. And then you get home and you try the kale and you go, this is awful. I can't eat this. And you throw it out. It's that kind of stuff that helps to add into what we're talking about. We'll tell you what else we'll be talking about after the 2 o'clock news in just a moment. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. The Ron Taverner situation, the Ontario power generation potential strike situation. And if you could have your family pet live forever, kind of, would you do it?
That and more coming up in Hour 2 of London Live. Next up, Jacqueline LaBelle with news on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. So we have an emergency session of the legislature being held today to try to keep Ontario power generation from striking. They rejected a contract offer, at least the Power Workers Union that represents them, rejected a contract offer from Ontario Power Generation. And so they're in a legal strike position as of Boxing Day. And the legislature wants to do that. Apparently the Premier wasn't there today. We'll get the lowdown on that and maybe a little bit more on the Ron Taverner situation as he has rescinded his resignation. So he's not resigning anymore. He's going to remain Toronto Police Superintendent, Ron Taverner. But there's still a shot at the OPP commanding job, the commissioner job, right? So we'll get the lowdown on that, too. Phone lines are always open, 519-643-2222. Andy, you had some thoughts on Donald Trump. Yeah, I want to talk about the Trump-China uh, carnival. But first, you were talking to this um, a fellow who said that waste pollution was a problem, real problem for London. I believe uh, that's not really that type of a real problem. The real problem is the, the, the hundreds of diesel trucks shipping Toronto sludge garbage to London, and uh, they were kicked out by Michigan. And it's the time that Toronto started to neutralize its own garbage with chemicals and uh, sand or whatever and ship them somewhere where it's needed. But, it's, but uh, having all these tons of uh, garbage sludge or sewage sludge shipped to London is a real mistake. I hope somebody on London Council would wake up. But getting back to what I wanted to talk about, Trump, for example, what, uh, what we have in Ottawa, Trudeau and that, uh, are not standing up for our rights. We have a trade with China. Trump comes along. And, the, um, he, uh, of course, we have an extradition agreement with um, the U.S., but under certain conditions, we are a sovereign country, we are a power to ourselves, and it's time that Trudeau said, enough is enough. If you want to arrest or uh, away, uh, away, then uh, she can go back to China and you could extradite her from China, because right now he's using us, we're being used as lapdogs of the U.S., and we shouldn't do. We shouldn't stand up for it. Maybe we should get John Diefenbaker back out of his grave. <laughs> Andy, thanks so much for the call. Well, I mean that is that's a situation that continues to unfold, and it's one of those where if you had it to do over again, how would you handle it? I don't think they'll ha- they'd handle it the exact same way. And we're, what Andy's referring to is, of course, the arrest of the Huawei executive, and then the the move to extradite this person to the United States because we do have an agreement like that. As he says, hey, you should be hands-free from this, extradite the person to China, and then worry about it between China and the United States instead of getting in the middle of it. Because, you know, we, we've already seen fallout from it. And on an international stage, when was the last time we paid so much attention to what our prime minister was doing on an international stage? You always do, but how many times do you see, well, the prime minister is meeting with this person, and they talked about this, and then the prime minister is meeting with this person, and they talked about this. But now you take a look and you say, okay, well, how are those countries seeing Canada with what Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is doing? And that becomes a real question to watch as we move toward 2019. We have some things to watch provincially as well, and we certainly are watching those very closely. 
We had the union that represents the workers at Ontario Power Generation put themselves into a legal strike position after their membership rejected a contract offer from OPG. So that legal strike position is, again, Boxing Day. And we also have more developments on the Ron Taverner situation. He was all set to start as OPP commissioner today. Nice job. It's not an easy job. You are in there with one of the largest police forces in all of North America. And yet we have Mr. Taverner, or Superintendent Taverner, um, he is going to be... Well, he's rescinded his resignation with Toronto Police Services, and we now have an investigation which will deem what? Whether or not this was handled in the right way? You know, these investigations always bother me. Well, they're a third-party investigation. Well, how third-party are they? You know, did we pick them? No. So I'm not too sure what will play out there. That's why our next guest will hopefully be able to help us out in that regard. We're going to be talking with our Bureau Chief for Global News from Queen's Park. We'll try and get to the bottom of it because, you know, you can trace this all the way back to, you know, the Ford family and Ron Taverner being friendly. I mean, that's that's what it goes back to. Whether that had any impact on this, can we say for sure? I mean, we have people who say, oh, yeah, 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 it has to be. Well, can we say for sure the thing that looks bad in this is the optics, the idea that you lowered the qualifications, the Ontario government said, to attract a more wide-ranging array of candidates for this particular position. But then all of a sudden, a family friend is hired, and people are going to look at this sideways and say, yeah, how exactly did this work out again? What exactly happened here? So... We will find out a little bit more about that in just a little bit. And still this hour, we're going to talk humane society and how London handles this time of year. Because it's a tricky time of year when it comes to the adoption of animals. Because people immediately start thinking, you know what, we should get an animal. And we should put the puppy in a box and the box and this... Just a second. Just make sure you know exactly what you're getting into. If you're buying an animal for somebody else or adopting an animal for somebody else, that's a concern too. And we highlighted Germany last hour that what they do is come tomorrow, there's a freeze. No adoptions. Because they don't want to see animals adopted, given as gifts, and then animals returned to shelters or abandoned or any number of things. So that's a topic that we'll get to. And whether or not you would actually clone your favorite pet, you can do it in China for $73,737. That's quite the marketing number right there. But that's just what it turns out to. It's, it's actually different when you change the currency. But $73,737 Canadian pet owners can clone their own pets. China is doing a lot of different things in this regard. And... <laughs> we've gotten into this conversation before, that it's kind of like when the internet arrived. Everybody just kind of said, oh, look, here's a neat thing. Look, you can send email. In this case, oh, this is really neat. You could clone your favorite pet. Yeah, old Sheba. Old Sheba got to be 13 years old, but before old Sheba died, we made sure and cloned Sheba so that now we have Sheba 2 or just Sheba all over again. 
Same dog acts the same way. I'd be interested to know whether it does. For a while, remember how, remember how much we talked about Dolly the sheep? And people looked and said, well, is it the same sheep? Does it act the same way? I don't know that we got clear-cut answers on that. But I'm not sure I want to pet cemetery my pets. I don't think I'm into that. It's not an old thing that you have to crawl over old wood and fallen down trees to get to. You just have to pay $73,737. But you can have your pet live for as long as you do. Maybe outlive you. Oh, but wait. I don't want my pet to be alone. My pet has been with me on and off. Kind of a little different, but sort of the same. For the entire 75 years of my life, maybe instead of abandoning my pet, I'll just clone me, and then my pet won't be alone. Interesting world we live in. Let's go to Queen's Park. Travis Danranch joins us, Queen's Park Bureau Chief with Global News. Travis, thanks so much for being here. No problem, anytime. Well, which one do you want to start with, the emergency meeting, or do you want to go to the Ron Taverner situation? Or education, or Bill 66, or a host of other issues. Your choice. You you, you let me know where you want to start. Well, why don't we start with the emergency meeting and what this kind of strike vote means for all of us in the province of Ontario right now. So basically the government is saying that if they don't uh, pass this back-to-work legislation this week, that the power will go out starting as early as as Friday, uh, some places in Ontario. And so they're saying that this is, uh, you know, uh, they, they've got to do this to ensure that uh, people have power for Christmas. Yeah, and that's kind of frightening, and that would immediately have people on the side of the workers at Ontario Power Generation. Have they said anything about who would be out of power? No, they haven't. They said there would probably be rolling brownouts, uh, and so this is a move to avoid that. Of course, the NDP uh, are not making this process easy. This could have been done today. Uh, they they asked for you unanimous consent on the legislation. Uh, NDP did not give that, and so that means that this likely won't be passed until about Wednesday, Thursday or so. We had heard that the Premier was not there for this emergency meeting. Can you verify, yes or no, whether the Premier was there? So, okay, so this is essentially what happened. You know, we heard that he was not going to be in the House today, and I asked Minister Rickford, Greg Rickford, the energy minister, that at a news conference at 1230. I said, you know, you're saying that this is so important. You're calling back the legislature to deal with this. If this is so important, why is the premier not here? He said, well, the premier's, premier is around. I did have a meeting with him this morning, um, and he has other business to attend to this afternoon, so he won't be in the House. So we didn't get a lot of clarification on what was more important than this issue, which the government has said is paramount to them. But the premier was not here, and so the premier could not face cameras and could not answer questions today on a number of other issues. So, Travis, what do we look for then for the remainder of the week to know exactly what is going to play out in this? Well, I mean, I think we, I, I, the legislation will get passed. And so uh, these blackouts, these brownouts that they're saying will happen will not happen. But the NDP, like I said, they're, they're really stalling the process. So, uh, you know, it goes to first reading uh, tomorrow, and there's debate tomorrow, and then second reading and, and third and will assent, essentially. So, uh, like I said, Thursday probably, and then everyone goes on break yet again, take two. Travis Danrads joining us, Queen's Park Bureau Chief with Global News. Travis, one more thing before we let you go, and that is the Ron Taverner situation. We've seen that he's rescinded his resignation as a superintendent with Toronto Police. What else can you tell us? 
So, yeah, so, you know, essentially on Friday we heard that he was going to resign. He was not with the Toronto Police as of Saturday. Then I guess late last night he rescinded those papers. We contacted Toronto Police this morning. They said, yeah, that indeed happened, so he's back with Toronto Police. Uh, And on on the weekend we found out that he had said that he was not going to be in his position uh, as the new OPP commissioner come today, Monday, which he was supposed to be, because he wanted to wait now for the integrity commissioner to uh, to, to do an investigation if that happens. And the integrity commissioner has not said whether or not that is going to happen, but he wants to let that process play out. Uh, meanwhile, Andrew Horvath announced this morning that uh, they are calling, the NDP are calling for a select committee in addition to any integrity commissioner uh, investigation, which would... Uh, Basically, it would be a public investigation of any potential conflicts between Ron Tavener and the Premier. So, you know, there certainly are a lot of questions. It's interesting that Minister Sylvia Jones, who's in charge of all of this, she's a correctional and community safety minister, she was in the House today, but she didn't actually come out the doors where all the media were. Uh, and We had cameras stationed at multiple doors. She snuck out another way, so uh, clearly the government does not want to answer questions on, on the Ron Tavener issue. We did talk to Todd Smith, uh, the House leader, about it, uh, and the trade minister, and he said essentially that, you know, uh, Mr. Tavener is doing the right thing here, that he still has the government support. And so, from all indications, the government is still behind Ron Tavener 100%, but this, if an uh, investigation does take place, it could take months. Yeah, and and the idea that we would not have the government speak to it. I mean, just, you don't have to say much, at least make an appearance. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there are a number of other issues that they they didn't really want to talk about today. They want to change the channel. But that, you know, they've got to answer questions. If they call the House back, it's not just the power issue that we're going to be talking about. You know, Bill 66, if you remember, they dropped that right before they went on break. That's a huge omnibus, omnibus bill, which has a lot of uh, details in it about the green belt, about uh, water safety regulations, uh, a host of other issues that, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to answer on when it comes to that as well. So, you know, uh, they wanted to, to be here today to, to try to pass this legislation. It looks like they are going to be here for the course of the week, so we'll be firing questions at them all week long on a number of different issues. Well, thank you for doing that, and thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it, Travis. Anytime, Mike. Talk to you soon. Take care. That's Travis Danrach, Queens Park Bureau Chief for Global News. Don't you hate that? Don't you, like, am I wrong to believe that in the good old days, people would just at least stand up and answer questions sneaking out the back door? Really? I know it's about control the message now, but still, you at least just say, hey, here's a thing, and here's a, you can still control the words that are coming out of your mouth. You know, the amount of interview training that goes on for people in places where they are going to be interviewed on a regular basis would blow our minds. And the amount of preparation that would be given. And yet, you station cameras and, I don't know, they have some teleport machine that was able to get everybody out so that they didn't have to face any line of questioning. In my mind, that makes you look worse. Do you not agree? If you are supposed to, or or you, in this case, should answer for what is going on and you don't, that makes you look worse than standing up there and just saying nothing. It's easy to say nothing. Just do that. I don't get it. All right, time for a break. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.
Know what people think is a nice gift for somebody opening something from under a tree? A puppy. A kitten. Just go out and get an animal. I'm not sure that that's the right idea. In fact, Germany says no. No adoptions after tomorrow. Let's talk about this as it pertains to the London area. The executive director of the London Humane Society, Steve Ryle, joins us. Steve, how are things today? Good, how are you, Mike? Not too bad. When it comes to adoptions around the holidays, do we need to send out kind of a warning? Um, I guess it, uh, it all take how you take a look at it. Um, you know, if, if people are wondering, will we continue to, to adopt animals through the next month? Definitely. I mean, we don't have the, uh, the accommodations to, to not do that. Um, and so we will continue to put uh, animals into their forever homes and continue the process that we do day in and day out every single day of the week. But when you're looking, maybe it's not even possible to do this. I'm not sure. So let's ask the question. Could you adopt an animal for somebody else? Or does that somebody else have to be there going, I solemnly swear I'm going to give this animal a forever home? Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Definitely. I mean, it depends on how you look at the word gift. And, and so I'll go back to back in the spring. Uh, we gifted uh, a pet to, to, to my kids, if you will. But uh, the gift was, hey, uh, girls, we're going to get a puppy. And they were like, oh, that's awesome. We're a dog. And so then we went down here as a family and went through the process together, and 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 then we have our dog Milo now at home. So um, it's all I guess in how you look at the gift. The gift was yes, we're getting a, a dog, but uh, to wrap it up and put it in a box to an unsuspecting person, not a good idea, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And do you get those requests around now, or is that something you can kind of mitigate with the fact that you have to go through a few papers and and sign things? Yeah, I think that's 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 exactly right. We do have a process here. Uh, we don't allow people to um, apply online or any of those types of things. They do come down here. Uh, we ask them to walk through the through the facility, fall in love with that animal that they, they think would fit best with their family, and go through an interview process and fill out the paperwork and meet with one of our adoption counselors, and we kind of see how it goes from there. Um, so that 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 will continue and. And, uh, you know, sometimes the, the holidays are when families are home for a couple of weeks. The kids are out of school and you've taken some time uh, to be home with them. And so sometimes that's a good time because it's that, you know, direct attention for two weeks to, to get everybody used to, to be living in a new home and in a new way of life. Um, I can speak firsthand. The first six nights that uh, we had our dog come home were, were not ones that we slept well. So, um, and then getting up and going to work the next day was a tough chore and, Having grandma come over for visits during the day and stuff is a bit more work. So, you know, I could see sometimes that would be an advantage if you're home for those few weeks. Yeah, not a bad point. Steve Ryle joining us, Executive Director of the London Humane Society. When you talk about counselors and, and dealing with counselors, what sorts of things do they tend to tell prospective adoptive families? Well, with not being one myself, um, but I have gone through the process. Uh, there's about a four-page document that really just tries to get to know the owners, their thoughts on how they'll handle different situations and those types of things. And then uh, more specifically, uh, the needs of, of that specific pet, if they have um, certain needs that they might need in the future, you'll also meet with one of our registered vet techs uh, who will go through any of those types of stuff. And just really make sure it's going to be the right fit long-term uh, for everybody because, let's be honest, um, it's, not a, it's not a today or tomorrow commitment. It's, it's 12, 15, 18 years. And so we encourage people to think about where they'll be in that time and, and what could change. Um, you know, we want this to be their, their forever home. Definitely. Steve, before I let you go, how are things as we head toward 2019 at the Humane Society? 
We are doing very well with our recent changing of our our new brand and our new logo and website and stuff. We've had incredible response and and so we're excited about the future and the things that we'll be able to talk about in 20 uh 2019, which is also our 120th anniversary. So lots of fun stuff ahead and and uh if people can remember us when they're writing up their donation list this year, then then we would definitely uh welcome that as we are not funded by the government and and so we do re- rely on the community to uh keep our doors open and our lights on. If somebody wanted to look into that a little bit more, what's the best way to do it? HSLM.ca and then click on donate and really encourage people to sign up what we call our PAW program. It's a pre-authorized withdrawal and it allows people to set up a, um, their credit card where they can they can donate up to you know, $5, $10, $15, whatever they're comfortable with doing every month. And it's easy to log back in and make those changes if, uh, if you're... Uh, your life changes and, and can't maybe make those payments or, or come upon some money where you can make a larger donation. Steve, really appreciate the time today. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Mike. Take care. Yeah, you too, buddy. Steve Rowell from the London Humane Society, Humane Society of London, Middlesex. And, well, they are adopting animals. So if you're looking at it from a family perspective, it's hard to give as a gift. Don't be giving an animal as a gift unless somebody says, you know what I really want? I want a cat. If you don't hear that, don't do that. But Steve makes a good point. Kids are home for a couple of weeks, get everybody acclimated, and then get back to your regular lives. We're going to talk about your favorite pet after Jacqueline LaBelle and news. Not what is your favorite pet, not who was your favorite pet. If your favorite pet was only around for 13 to 15 years and you could extend their life, kind of, would you do it? You could have another version of your pet, just the same. For another 13 to 15 years, would you do it? That's the question we'll ask. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Good afternoon. It is 2.30. I'm Jacqueline LaBelle in downtown London. It is zero degrees. There's some light snow. Minus five with that wind chill. What the impact would be on London's general dynamics is still unknown, but Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has now said that his government is looking for a way out of the arms deal with Saudi Arabia. The statement came in an interview with CTV that aired yesterday. Trudeau's previously said there would be huge penalties for scrapping the $13 billion agreement for light-armored vehicles. He said the federal government is engaged with export permits to see if there's a way of no longer supplying Saudi Arabia with the military vehicles. The longtime friend of Ontario Premier Doug Ford, who was poised to become the next Ontario Provincial Police Commissioner, is returning to his old job on the Toronto Police Force. Superintendent Ron Taverner resigned Saturday, but his return was approved late last night. Taverner had requested his appointment to the OPP's top job be delayed due to the controversy over his hiring. Ontario's opposition says the government's trampling on workers' rights by immediately resorting to -to back-to-work legislation to prevent a strike at one of the province's major major power utilities. NDP leader Andrew Horvath says the province had other options available, such as arbitration, but instead chose to recall the legislature for an emergency session to pass the legislation. She says the government did not even wait for the strike to begin before threatening to force workers back on the job. The progressive conservatives are reconvening the legislature this afternoon, just over a week after lawmakers rose for their winter break, to table the bill that would stop job action by about 6,000 workers at Ontario Power Generation. Transport Minister Mark Garneau has unveiled new measures designed to give air passengers more rights. A proposed compensation package would see anyone bumped from overbooked flights or who's forced to endure long delays receive up to $2,400. The Canadian Transportation Agency regulations uh, that could take effect by next summer would also force airlines to seat children under 14 next to their parents without making them pay extra.
Police in Norfolk County say a fire at a storage area involving several boats caused about a million dollars in damage. The flames broke out around 3.30 yesterday afternoon at a property on Highway 24. Once on scene, police and fire crews found three boats engulfed by the blaze. A total of five may have been damaged. Officers say no one was hurt. The investigation into the cause of the fire is ongoing. You're listening to 980 CFPL. New drinking and driving rules are coming into effect. We're going to make sure we understand everything that is taking place for this next half hour is up. Promise. But I want to ask a question about a pet because, see, our world's getting to some interesting places, fascinating places. We can do wonderful things. We can fly in planes. It's amazing. Things are getting a little bit more intricate than that. We can actually clone animals. Wow. Since when? The 90s. Well, a company in China is going to provide an opportunity for pet owners to clone their pets so that the family dog or the family cat or the family whatever it is, chinchilla, ferret, so that that family creature that you've known and loved and watched run along the floor like a hot dog, like ferrets do, I think they bite sometimes, don't they? Aren't they biters? I guess cats bite too. So do dogs. So if you wanted to keep your pet forever, it's obviously impossible. Their lifespan runs 13 to 15 years. We're not talking about the family tortoise. You don't have to worry about that. They live for a while. But would you consider having your family pet die? And then instead of going out and finding a new animal, saying, you know what? I'd like to make the investment that costs far more than an in-ground swimming pool to clone that animal so that we have it all over again to enjoy. Would you do something like this? The low, low price that is more than an in-ground swimming pool is $73,737, and you would probably have to fly to China to do it. They have a company that has the, uh, it's a biotech company, the services of providing pet cloning. It's the first that is known to operate, and it's kind of been around since... May of last year when it successfully cloned a gene-edited beagle. Hmm. What do you think? Let's open up the phones. Is this not a little pet cemetery-ish? Like the internet when it rose, it looked harmless at first. Now, eh, it's far too much porn on there. We should have had regulations. So, should we be bringing in regulations saying, you know, we're not going to allow you to clone pets here. But if they're doing it in China... People go to other countries to adopt babies, not clone babies, by the way, but babies. Wouldn't they go to China if they really, really liked their pet? 519-643-2222. Would you want an exact replica of your family pet so that you could just phase one out and phase the next one in? You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. Again, 519-643-2222. Let's begin the discussion with Marilyn. Marilyn, I know your birds are chirping. Would you clone your birds? No. I know uh, when Brick died back there a while ago, 
I, I cried and felt terrible about it. I still do. But I wouldn't have it cloned. Heck, I can't even pay for my own funeral. I'm saving up to pay for that, let alone pay seventy. What is it? $73,000 to have uh, an, a pet clone? Mm-hmm. But let's say, uh, let's take this away from the equation then, Marilyn. Let's take the money away. Let's say that the price came down. Let's say it was just $7. Would you do it? I don't, well, no, because it wouldn't be quite the same. Yeah. It said it's gone and let it be. I know we've mourned over it and let it be. And by the way, there's two things. Um, I think that the prime minister is doing a very foolish and dangerous thing by closing General Dynamics. Well, he's not doing that yet. He's just looking at perhaps finding well, a way out of this Saudi deal. And then another thing, are you going to get your wife a dog for Christmas? No. Oh. <laughs> Look, at, did you get the picture? Um, I of, did. It's wonderful. Thank you. Of Kate Marie yes. and Doug. Um, what, what, what's his name again? The dog. Oh, yeah, but no, I've forgotten. I'm just having a senior's moment. Oh, Oliver, Ollie. Ollie the dog, yes, and it's a wonderful picture. It's a beautiful Isn't picture. He, he's cute. Yesterday I was over to my grandson's birthday party, and he uh, Ollie always does this. When we sing happy birthday and light the cake, and and he, we all sing, and he starts in, too, in his own way. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. Well, but I've he, put the picture on the refrigerator, and Marilyn, that's that's going to be our dog. We'll just, <laughs> right there. If you need to pet the dog, right over there on the fridge. Just give Ollie a little tap as you go and get some water or some juice. Well, we love Ollie very much. You know, he even goes to the door and pulls the... Um, cord with the valves on he did that last night a couple of times smart and, dog Marilyn goes, goes out and does not thing and comes back in <laughs> Marilyn if I don't speak with you before the holidays have yourself a Merry Christmas okay well, I hope I do okay well I'm here this week so I'm sure we'll talk again okay dear and take care of yourself all now. right take care bye bye 519-643-2222. Would you clone the family pet just to keep it going? It feels like Pet cemetery to me, but a company in China is offering you the opportunity. Brian, would you do it? Uh, funny you bring this up, because I was actually talking about this at uh, my Christmas party uh, a couple weeks ago. Okay. And we came to the consensus, basically, that no, none of us would do it, because it's not going to be the same dog. Yeah. So. Dogs are a lot like people in that they're a product of their experiences. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have the same experiences. They're not going to be the same dog. No, I mean, even if you do it and say it's the family pet, well, your kids are no longer three and five. They're now, you know, 15 and 18 or something like that. No, and those walks they had in the forest, well, they're not going to get those anymore, and they're not going to become that dog that love to go chase squirrels out in the forest and whatnot. And I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of buyer's remorse in that respect. I like this. Brian, thank you for having that discussion, and thank you for sharing it with us today. No problem. Talk to you later. Take care. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. It's not the same. 
You know, everything's disposable in our world. We talked about disposable food last hour. Everything's disposable. Oh, I've had this phone. It's this little computer that I put in my pocket. It does amazing things. I've had it for two years. Better get a new one. That's what we do. So you can't make your pets disposable because what, what's next? You know, I'm, I'm an aging individual. I don't want my kids to say, you know, I liked Dad when he was younger. You know, he, he made fewer mistakes. He was faster. You know what we should do? Let's wipe out this dad and let's make a dad that's back in his, say, 30s or 40s when he used to run around with us and didn't complain about his hip. Let's do that. Come here, dad. We're going to take you on a car ride. See, I don't want that. Now, I'm hoping my kids wouldn't do that, but eventually the kids run the show, right? I want to I wanna be me. I, I don't want to be old me because that would no longer be me. For $73,000, I'm hoping that's enough of a deterrent. Kids, this is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We have new impaired driving laws that go into effect this week. So we need to know what those are. First off, if you have been drinking, don't drive. That's still rule number one in all of this. But these laws address what happens If you disobey that good rule of thumb, number one, if you drink, don't drive. It's easy. But as we know, because we can look at all the statistics we want to, that again is not the case. So new impaired driving laws. Joining us right now from London Police Services is Constable Brad Yo. Constable Yo, how are you? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. You were in on the annual drinking and driving show with Taz and Jim on the FM 96 morning show. I know they've recovered. Have you recovered? Uh, yeah, that was a good time. Uh, we It was a little bit of fun, but we also got the message out as well. So it was, uh, it was great to be on that show. Well, let's get the message out in this way as well, because things are a little bit different with what officers can ask for and certainly in charges. What are some of the things we need to know? Yeah, so, so starting tomorrow, the 18th, um, we have the ability to do mandatory alcohol screening or mandatory roadside screening. So whether you're stopped for whatever reason you're stopped for, um, if you're stopped legally, any time that you're driving a a motor vehicle, or now they're going to call them conveyances, but anytime you're stopped driving a motor vehicle, the police can give a mandatory roadside screening test right then and there without suspicion. So just that um, should be a deterrent in itself, but it will also give officers the ability to, to do a test without even having any signs or symptoms of alcohol. So no longer will you be able to wear sunglasses or put a, put a penny under your tongue or whatever those strange things that people did. We're just there, and we can give a mandatory roadside test immediately upon a stop. And what would a mandatory roadside test or screening consist of? So you would have to blow into a Dragger 6810. It's, uh, it's for alcohol only, and it's just for... Um, it's a, it's a mandatory test upon demand. Um, you would have the ability to refuse, but you'd face criminal charges as a result of that. Um, and, um, so you'd have to blow, uh, you have to provide a sample of your breath into the approved screening device. Okay. And if you blow over or blow a certain amount, then what happens? Yeah. So it depends on what class of license you have. If you're in the graduated licensing or you're a young driver or a commercial motor vehicle driver, you're allowed zero alcohol. Uh, if you are 
zero to 49 on a G license, that is acceptable. 50 to 99 is a worn, and that is a 3A road tight suspension. And over um, 100, it sets as a fail, and you would end up being arrested and charged for impaired driving. Okay. And then your life changes at that point, doesn't it? Uh, most certainly. You would be arrested. You'd be taken down to cells. You'd be processed. You'd end up being charged. You'd have a criminal conviction on your record upon what transpires in court. It is a life-altering uh, occurrence that we don't want. We don't want to make any more people or have anyone else be charged criminally with impaired driving. We're hoping with this new legislation, just the deterrent itself will, will assist in getting the message out that impaired driving is not acceptable and we don't have to enforce any of these laws. Constable Brad Yo joining us from London Police Services as we talk about new impaired driving rules that go into effect tomorrow. People are going to equate these with alcohol. Do these stretch beyond just alcohol? Uh, for the mandatory roadside screening, that is strictly for alcohol. However, if people are consuming cannabis or marijuana, we do have officers that are trained in the detection of that based on suspicion. And or if you perform poorly on roadside uh, standardized field sobriety testing, You'll go down to a drug recognition evaluator who those officers are highly trained to detect drugs and or alcohol on that person. And again, there is no need of any suspicion anymore. Could this be called a, a random test? Do you, do you refer to them as random tests at all? We refer to them as mandatory uh, roadside screening rather than random. Um, it's mandatory. You shall provide a sample at your breath or face consequences for not doing so. Okay. Constable Yo, thank you so much for all of the information. Here's hoping that you do not have to deal with anybody who is drinking and driving. Thank you, sir, very much. Take care. Bye. Constable Brad Yo. And that's what this boils down to. We, how long have we been told this? Don't drink and drive. Oh, I haven't heard that before. That kind of has a ring to it. Where'd you get that from? We've been hearing this for decades. And the statistics continue to back up that people continue to drink and drive. Why? I don't get it. And it comes down to, well, you know, your judgment is clouded when you're drunk. And why is that an excuse? Somehow that has not been able to get itself out of the vernacular. You know, it's, oh, here are the words I'm going to say. And somehow that continues to work. I mean, just because somebody is impaired, unless you were impaired and you were unwittingly, unknowingly impaired, if you took a glass of alcohol and you put it to your lips and you poured some in and you swallowed, then it's all your fault from there on, as far as I'm concerned. If someone snuck up on you and put a pill in your Shirley Temple, that's a different thing. But if you purchased alcohol... You took that alcohol in a glass, you poured it into your mouth, and you swallowed it down. Everything beyond that should be on you. And as much as it is, there is still leniency in this. And that, does that have to stop? I mean, I love the fact that they're strengthening laws, that they are giving police more power. That's great. And anybody who is concerned about this... They're the same people who are trying to figure out which routes to take home so that they don't have to encounter a police officer. You know, that that's not the way to do it. Ah, yeah, I, I don't have to worry about getting home from the bar. I know this way. I know this back way. They're never there. One day they're there. That usually happens. They, they find the back ways. 
and they'll be there. So don't risk it. Don't drink and drive. Man, that has a nice ring to it. Wish we would say that more often. Don't drink and drive. We'll close out the show in a moment. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. It's kind of really up to you whether or not you clone your pet because that option exists now in China and who knows, somebody may set something up in a while around here. You shouldn't mail a pet. You should not do that. So make sure that if you are giving the gift of a pet, first of all, you can't really do that. you got to have the person with you fill out the appropriate paperwork. And I like that. That's good. But if you're somewhere, if you're listening to us right now where you don't have to do that, you can give a pet as a gift. Make sure the person wants it. Don't mail a pet. Family in Nova Scotia didn't even mean to mail their cat. But they got their cat back on Saturday night. They had grouped up all the Christmas gifts, I guess, and they had it in a box, and they ended up sending that by Purilator, and they sent it to Montreal. And their cat had crawled into the box. Cats love boxes. So the cat got into the box and actually went with the gifts. I don't know how much space the cat had. I don't know whether it was a good time. 2,400-kilometer round trip, 17 hours it took. They actually had to locate it. They had to figure out where the cat was. Had no idea where it was. And the SPCA in Montreal tracked down the owners when they actually found the cat. So it wasn't the owners going, oh, we must have packed the cat in a box and purulated it to Montreal. They actually found this cat and somehow tracked down the owners. So ID your pets, number one. And then don't send them off in a purulator box if you're packaging up. It's hard, though. We were once selling a couch, and it was a pull-out couch, really heavy thing. And it was me and this other guy, and we were trying to bring it up the stairs. And we had no idea, but a cat that we owned, still own it, he still wants to leave, was trying to escape from our home. It was like a jailbreak. He had crawled into the couch and made no noise up the first set of stairs, and then we really had to tilt and and move the thing around. We hit a wall going up the second set of stairs. That's when you heard the meow. That's when the cat spoke up, and we had to get the cat out, and, well, he he didn't get to go somewhere new. He stayed in our house, and he's still just as miserable to be there. Be home soon, buddy. We are out of time. Thanks to Matt McInnes for all of his help today. London Live, brought to you by Winmar, your restoration specialists. Jacqueline LaBelle and Matthew Trevithick are next with news. You're listening to Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.